Shalom. This is the seventh episode of the Amlevadad Yishkon podcast. For, before moving on, let's just focus and remind ourselves what we talked about in the previous uh, six uh, editions. We started by pointing out a number of very, very confusing uh, characteristics to the entity that is known as Am Yisrael, and we used the term Am Levadad Yishkon to describe it. Then, uh, beginning uh, two weeks ago, actually, we opened up the Chumash, the Torah, to try to get an understanding of where this came from. We started Mamash from the beginning, from Bereshit Bara Elokim, and we saw that the world was created with a very specific goal. Hashem, as the Torah tells us, Hashem created the world and created man. He created the entire world for the purpose of serving man or of enabling man to accomplish his mission. And man was given a very clear mission, and the mission is to serve God, to follow God's command, and uh, by, by free will, by choosing to follow Hashem's command, by living his life in total fidelity with that which God wants, with the will of God, and in doing so, to demonstrate that he recognizes Hashem, God, as the ruler of the universe. For some reason, this is deemed valuable, and it is for this that man was created. The Torah used the term, which we interpreted perhaps as referring to that. And we saw that there was an original plan. We called it Plan A, and that was Gan Eden. And there man was given this ideal existence, this perfect world where he doesn't have to spend any energy on basic physical needs of food, clothing, shelter, protection. There's no suffering, there's no difficulty. And in that world he committed the sin, the sin of the Eitz Hada'at, which required Vayigarish et Adam. It required man being banished from Gan Eden. Perhaps that banishment we said last week is not permanent. There remains this derech eitz chayim, which the Torah alludes to, which seems to imply the possibility that perhaps one day man will be able to return to Gan Eden. And Bezrat Hashem, in a future shir, much later on in the series, we'll, uh, we'll try to understand that a little bit better, perhaps, perhaps with the assistance of the Ramban. Uh, but in any case, man was expelled from Gan Eden, and we call that plan B. Plan B was a world that's much more similar to the world we know today. It's a world where people have to wear clothing because their base physical desires take a much more dominant role in their existence. It's also a world in which the, the mitzvot, the vayitzav Hashem Elokim al ha'adam takes a form that we're much more familiar with. We referred to the concept of sheva mitzvot b'nei noach, six of which according to the Rambam applied already from the time of Adam HaRishon, so perhaps we should call it Sheish Mitzvot B'nai Adam. And we talked about a world in which basic morality, refraining from killing, from stealing, refraining from idolatry and adultery and these types of things uh, is the fundamental challenge uh, and the way in which man is meant to demonstrate that he recognizes that there's a God and that he lives his life in fidelity to God's command. If man were to live by those, uh, by those rules and were to conduct himself in accordance, with, uh, in accordance with those rules of universal morality, then man would justify his existence and fulfill his goal even after the initial error of Gan Eden. And ultimately the world would reach perfection and perhaps man could return to the Derech Eitz But if you remember, 
when the world was created, it was created on a condition. And as of now, there has been no commitment, no promise that the world will never be destroyed. To the contrary, the world could be destroyed. And uh, we mentioned last week even a Midrash that previous worlds had already been destroyed. And at the end of Parshat Bereshit, we read that this world, the world that existed after Gan Eden, when Plan B reached the stage of almost complete and total failure, Parshat Bereshit ended with Vayar Hashem, we read this last week, Vayar Hashem ki rabah ra'at ha'adam ba'aretz v'chol yetzem achshavot libo rak rak kol hayom, Vayinachem Hashem ki asat ha'adam ba'aretz v'yitatsev el libo, Vayomer Hashem emche et ha'adam asher barati me'apnei ha'adama, me'adam ad behema ad remes v'yadof ha'shamayim, ki nichamti ki asitim, a divine decision to eradicate completely destroy not just man and, uh, and the, the two human beings in existence, Adam the Chavava, but the entire universe, all the animals, everything is to be destroyed, all the plants, because it was all created for the sake of man, and man has failed in his mission, and therefore man has forfeited his right to existence. And there was just that one caveat, the Noach Matzachein Beinei Hashem. And we started to talk at the very end of last week's podcast about what ultimately we'll have to call Plan C. God decides to give that one man, Noach, a chance to, to start over, and uh, we'll call that Plan C. So we'll give, begin now again from the beginning of Parsha. Noach, Eila, Toldot, Noach, Noach, Ish, Tzadik. We mentioned last week also the well-known Machloket in Chazal, how to understand that expression, Tamim Hayab Dorotav. He was a righteous person, he was a perfect person in his generation. Yesh Dorshin Lishvach, Yesh Dorshin Lignai. Perhaps he was objectively a great person or perhaps only subjectively in relation to the rest of his generation. But in any case, it was enough. It was enough for God to give him a chance. And therefore, Perak Vav Pasuk Yeralef says, The world had become completely corrupt and filled with violence beyond redemption. The world had become completely corrupt, internally destroyed. And therefore, in Pasuk Yud Gimel, we have Vayomer Elohim Lenoach, Kate's Kol Basar Balefanai. The end of all humanity has has we've reached the end, the end of all humanity, the end of all flesh, also including the animals, because really the animals have no no purpose in existing either. The animals don't have an independent existence of their own. They're part of the universe that was created to provide an arena in which man was going to fulfill his mission. Since that had not happened, therefore, um, I'm going to destroy man with the world. And therefore, Noach, make for yourselves, it's usually translated as an ark, make an ark out of gopher wood. Make it watertight because it's going to serve as a boat. And of course we know that he was told how to make the teva. In Pasuk Yudzayim we read, Kol Basar Asher Bo Ruach Chaim Mitachat 
kol asher ba'aretz yigva. The reason you need to make this boat is I'm about to bring a mabul, a flood that will destroy everything. All that is on the world will die. All people, everything. Vakimoti et briti itach. But I'm willing to make a brit, a covenant with you. Uvata el hateva. You will go into this teva, into this box that you have created, you and your and your immediate family. Bring with you into the teva all the animals, two of each type, into the Teva with you, including the birds, and the animals, from all types of things that exist in this world, and bring food for the animals, I don't know what actually happened. There's a lot of questions that can be asked about this. It seems almost impossible from a naturalistic perspective that all of the animals in the world could be gathered into the teva and that the entire rest of the world was destroyed. But the details, and, and there's a number of discussions about this, both already in earlier times, in Chazal even, and in the Rishonim, and uh, more contemporary. What's important to me is not the actual figuring out of what happened exactly from a historic perspective. It's clear that there was a flood. It's clear that there was a widespread destruction and that Noah survived the flood. What's important, and, and with him, the animals, etc. What's important to me is not trying to figure out exactly what happened from a historical perspective, but the message that the Torah is giving us here and the way in which the Torah is describing it to us. The key point here is that we have this image of the Teva. In the Teva is Noah and his immediate family, who are also only being saved, not that they themselves are worthy. They're being saved only because of him. And with him is a representation of all the plants and animals in the world because they're going to be saved with him because it is for him, it is because of him that they're being saved. All of humanity is being given another chance only because of and through Noah. Now, of course, we're all familiar with the story of what happened after that, and uh, we don't need to read it inside, how they went into the Teva. It began to rain. Ultimately, the rain covered the entire world, uh, ultimately reaching even above the tops of the mountains, and everybody that was outside the Teva, all the people and all the animals and everything else, perished. And eventually, of course, we know that after sailing in this boat for a number of, uh, for, for quite a while, Noah sent out uh, the birds first, the um, um, first the um, Orev and then the Yonah uh, several times. Uh, let's pick up the story from Perichet, Pasuk Yud Gimel, Vayihi, Be'achat v'sheish me'ot shana, Barishon be'achad l'chodesh, Charevu ha'mayim me'al ha'aretz, Vayasar noach et mechsei ha'teva v'yar, V'hinei charvu p'nei ha'adama, U'v'chodesh ha'sheni, B'shiva v'esrim le'om l'chodesh, Yavsha ha'aretz, The world became Dry. Noah opened up the uh, Noah opened up the covering, the the door, if you will, of the teva, and he saw basically a brand new world. He saw a world that, on the one hand, must have been incredibly depressing. Everything that he knew, all the people he knew, everything was all gone. And but at the same time, 
it, it was a world filled with also tremendous promise. He had the opportunity to begin again. Essentially, he was like Adam HaRishon. He had the opportunity to go out and create a brand new world. And that's what he was told to do. Go out from the Teva So God told Noach, leave the Teva and take with you your family, take with you all the animals and go out and begin a brand new, a brand new world. And what's very important is to see what the first thing that Noach did when he left the Teva. What was the first thing Noach did when he left the Teva? Many people, when I ask this question, uh, and if I was teaching this in a classroom instead of on a podcast, I would ask those listening to raise their hands and tell me what the first thing Noach did when he left the Teva. Many people, when asked that question, refer to the vineyard that Noach planted. He planted a vineyard, and as we know, that vineyard, he then made wine from the vineyard, and we know that that brought about uh, some difficulties and some problems. And many people focus on that vineyard, and when I ask them what's the first thing Noach did, sort of disparagingly and critically, they say he planted a vineyard. But if you look carefully at the biblical text, that's not the correct answer to the question. The vineyard that he planted may have been one of the first things he did, but it wasn't the very first thing he did. The very first thing he did is uh, we read here from Perek uh, Chet, from Pasuk Yud Chet, let's read, Vayetzei Noach, he left, Uvanav ishto neshei vanavito kol hachaya kol remes v'chol ha'of v'chol romei salaretz mishpechotehem yatsu min ha'teva. Noach, his family, and all the animals left the teva. And immediately in Pasuk Chaf we read, Vayiven Noach mizbeach l'ashem. He built a mizbeach. He built an altar on which to bring korbanot, to bring offerings to Hashem. Vayikach mikol abeima ha-tehora umikol ha-of ha-tahor vayaal olot ba-mizbeach. The very first thing Noach did, before any mistakes, before planting any vineyards and before any any uh, backsliding or any any difficulties or any mistakes, the first thing he did, the very first thing he did, according to the way the Torah describes it, is he built a mizbeach. That's the way he wanted to dedicate this new world. This world, Noach said, is going to be different than the world that I came from. Adam and Chava, the first thing they did was to commit a chet. They were told not to eat from the tree, and they ate from the tree. (coughs) And that set into motion a pattern that ultimately degenerated into the world that that I was saved from, the world that had been described as Rak Rak I'm going to do it differently, said Noah. I'm going to build a Mizbeach. And that's how I'm going to dedicate this world. And he took all the, the, the animals that were Tahor and he offered them as a korb, as Korbanot to Hashem. Olot al Mizbeach. That's the way Noah dedicated the world. And if you read carefully, it's clear that that act of Noah dedicating this new world by building a Mizbeach, that act had tremendous ramifications, incredible ramifications that reverberate to this very day. Because whatever mistakes Noach made afterwards and whatever failings ultimately came out, 
The world that Noah dedicated with that Mizbeach is a world that exists to this day and will always exist. By building that Mizbeach, Noah changed the very terms of existence of human existence, the very um, rules with which God had uh, had governed mankind. Why do I make this statement? Because of the very next pasuk. In the very next pasuk, after telling us that Noah brought korbanot, it says, "Vayarach Hashem et reach Literally, God smelled the sweet smell of the korbanot. Vayomer Hashem elibo. Lo osif lekalel od et haadama ba'avur haadam ki yetzer leiv haadam rami nuurav v'lo osif od lehakot et kol chai ka'asher asiti. The Torah says, "Vayarach Hashem et reach anichoach." Obviously, we're not talking here about a physical smell that God, uh, you know, was moved by the delicious uh, smoke from the barbecue. It's, that's clearly not the point. It means that in response to what Noah did, God made a commitment. Because of Noah's korban, and the Torah says Beferush explicitly that it was because of that. Therefore, God made a commitment. I will never again Curse the entire world because of man. Ki yetzer leiv ha'adam rami nu'urav. There are a number of ways that pasuk can be read, or that phrase can be read. I will read it as, even though yetzer leiv ha'adam rami nu'urav. Even though it's true that man has the capacity for great evil, and that capacity which we saw before the Mabul still exists, and human history after the Mabul showed that that capacity particularly even recent history in our own generation or the generation before us, we've seen the capacity of man for evil. Nevertheless, said God, because Noah dedicated this world by building that Mizbeach, therefore, even though, Yetzelev Hadam Ra Minu Rav, Loosif Od Lahakotet Kolchai Kasher Asiti, I will never again destroy all of the world, like I just did. There can be future destructions. Later on, we'll read in Sefer Bereshit about Sdom Amorah, And later on, history has shown us many other examples of great calamities where many people have been killed. But never is the entire world going to be destroyed. Od kol yemei ha'aretz zera v'katsir v'kor v'chom v'kayitz v'choref v'yom v'layla lo yishbotu. From now on, all of the seasons, the world will go through, earth will, the earth will spin on its axis, and nature will go through its cycles, summer, winter, spring, fall, time for planting, time for harvesting, and this existence, the cycle of nature, and the ability of man to live in that nature, without something, a calamity like the Mabul that could, that could wipe out everything, this will never cease. So this is an incredibly dramatic moment and, and this pasuk doesn't get, in my opinion, the attention it deserves. This pasuk, later on, that there's, a, there's a commitment uh, and Hashem makes a brit with Noah and there's the symbol of the keshet, the rainbow, to, um, to sort of uh, symbolize or concretize that brit. But the, the willingness of God to make that brit 
had to be for a reason. Remember, not only before this Pasuk was there never any such commitment, not only had there never been a commitment to refrain from destroying the world, not only did God almost destroy the world, but Adam and Chava were told from the very beginning that the world would be destroyed. They were told that if they eat from the tree and violate God's command, they will bring death upon themselves. And although God has mercy and He allowed that, He allowed them to have children before they ultimately died, and He allowed those children to have children, He allowed the world to continue to exist in a modified form, Adam and Chava having been banished from Gan Eden, there was never any commitment that the world would never be destroyed. To the contrary, as we've said several times, man's existence was conditional. That has now changed. God has seen what Noah did and has changed the rules. Now there's never a threat anymore that the world will be destroyed. And why? Why would Hashem be willing to make such a commitment? He wasn't willing to make that commitment when the world was first created and there was no reason for Him to do so. The world was created with a purpose, with a goal. And if they're going to not fulfill their goal, if they're going to fail to accomplish what they're supposed to accomplish, they have no right to exist and also no reason to exist. So, what could it be about Noah's Korban? What is it that Vayarach Hashem et Reach HaNichoach that Hashem sees the fact that Noah brought a korban and he's willing to make such a change. He's willing to completely change the rules. It has to be that Noah's korban was, in, was genuinely significant. It has to be that God saw that and said, Noah, if you went ahead and made such a statement, if the world that you are building, all of humanity for the rest of history are going to be known as B'nai Noah, the world that you're starting is being dedicated in this way. If the very first thing you're doing is building a korban, and that's the message that you're sending to your children and to your unborn descendants and to all of the, all of the annals of humanity that will come for, for, forever after, if the world was dedicated with this mizbeach, then I'm confident that ultimately mankind will succeed. Ultimately the mission will be fulfilled. Ultimately, Noah's descendants will accomplish what the descendants of Adam did not accomplish and what perhaps untold numbers of previous worlds, according to one possible interpretation we suggested last week of that Midrash in Bereshit Rabbah, perhaps untold numbers of previous worlds failed to accomplish. God said, I am confident that B'nai Noach will accomplish that. And therefore, Vayarach Hashem et Reach HaNichach, Vayomer Hashem Elibo, and eventually, he makes the Brit HaKeshet, he makes the uh, commitment in the covenant that he makes with Noah, and he promises that he will never destroy the world again. From there, the book of Breshit continues to tell us the story of the descendants of Noah. And we have uh, ten generations that are listed here. Uh, but I don't want to go into all those details. I want to focus on one particular incident which is described to us in Perik Yud Aleph, in chapter 11 of Breshit. A very, very enigmatic and difficult um, parsha, especially if one reads it without the preconceived notions that we have of the interpretations we were taught as children. 
Let's just read the Psukim. I'm talking about the, the short incident that's known by the term Migdal Bavel or the Tower of Bavel. Let's read these Psukim sort of objectively and without any uh, parshanut, without any commentary at the beginning. I'm reading from Perik Yud Aleph of the book of Breshit. Vayhi kol ha'aretz safa echat udvarim achadim. Everyone in the world spoke one language, but not just safa achat. Not only did they speak the same language, the way we refer to languages today, whether it was English or French or Italian or Arabic, a language, not only safa echat in that sense, but dvarim achadim, but they also were of one mind. The words that they spoke were, were united. Or perhaps, as we sometimes say colloquially, not only were they speaking the same language, but colloquially, as an expression, they were speaking the same language, meaning they were communicating with one another. They were on the same page, if you will. They had the same ideas. They settled in this valley, a valley in the land of Shinar. One said to the other, this pasuk describes what we might call the advancement of technology. Uh, here as well, just like with the story of the Mabul, and just like with the stories of Adam and Chava, I don't know exactly what the historic reality is that these psukim are describing. And just as in those stories, I'm not really so concerned with the historic reality. I'm concerned more with the message. But apparently, the Valley of Shinar was a place where there were no stones. And how do you build houses without stones? They invented technology to create their own stones, artificial stones, if you will, what we call bricks. They worked together to advance the human condition. They had a problem. They moved to this place where it was difficult to find materials to build homes with, and they invented new techniques. They worked together to advance the common good. That sounds, if you ask me, pretty amazing. All of the people in the world working together, that's the way the Torah describes it, all of them with one mind, working together to make the world a better place for everybody. That's what it says. And then they took it to the next step. Now that they had bricks, they said, Let's build a big city for ourselves. A big city with a tower in the middle. Let's make a name for ourselves and a city with a symbolic tower rising in the middle to unite us all. Lest we be scattered. And here again, if we read these psukim without any bias, without any preconceived notions, it seems to me that these psukim describe a reality that's almost utopian. Can you imagine what the world would be like today if the world was this way? All of the people in the world working together to make the world a better place for everyone. And what's their biggest concern? Their biggest concern is we're, we're united. We're all together. And we want to make sure that we always stay that way. We always make sure that nothing comes between us, that there's no strife that there's no struggle, that there's no, that there's no fractiousness that breaks us up into different groups that might eventually come to compete with one another. Pen nafots. Let's work together and build this great city to keep us all united. 
it's hard to understand with such a, such a beautiful vision what exactly was the problem. But apparently there was a problem. This is what they've done. If, if I allow them to continue like this, they're so united and their unity is such a strong asset that if I don't do something about this now, nothing can ever stop them. And the Torah doesn't tell us what the problem is, but apparently there was a problem. And here's where the Chazal, the various Midrashim, and the various later commentaries come in. And this is, uh, we don't have time to go into it now, but there are various interpretations, whether that this tower represented some sort of idolatry, perhaps that it was some sort of a pagan temple with an idol at the top, some Midrashim describe it that way, or whether this tower was in some way meant to uh, reflect a rebellion against God, that the people were, as it were, going to climb to the top of the tower and wage war against God, or whether perhaps this tower was meant to provide some sort of a natural protection against a potential future mabul, uh, thereby denying the idea that the mabul was divine punishment and letting man think that they can control their own destiny instead of having to be reliant on Hashem or one of the other many interpretations that have been suggested to try to understand what the problem is. But clearly something was wrong. And God therefore said, you know, on the one hand, this world, that these people, these are the B'nai Noach, and compare this world to the descendants of Adam, the descendants of Adam that were, that were violent, that were committing murder and that were stealing and kidnapping and, and, and perhaps raping each other a world that was filled with violence, ki hamas. And here we have a world where everyone is working together in unity and in harmony and making the world a better place for everybody. It's actually a very inspiring vision, but it's a vision that something was wrong with. And therefore, limar perhaps, you know, so much, so regrettably, God came to the conclusion that something's wrong with this world, and precisely because they're so unified, Nothing's going to be able to change them. We have to put a stop to this. It's as if someone built a beautiful building, a very tall and magnificent structure, and then an engineer comes and, and checks the building and says, I'm very sorry to tell you this, but there's a flaw in the foundation, and this building is not safe. The very foundation of the building is cracked, and the building can't be used. In such a situation, the only thing to do, as difficult as it is, there is no other choice. The entire building has to be taken down and the foundation rebuilt and only then can the building be built again. That seems to be the conclusion that God came to. It's not that the unity of the, of the Dor HaPlaga, as they're called, it's not that the unity of this generation was itself problematic. To the contrary, that unity is exactly what God wants. But the unity is supposed to be around the worship of God. And in this case, the unity was around something else. And therefore... God says we have to, we have to um, cause them to speak different languages. So God divided mankind up into different nations, each speaking its own language, and with language comes its own culture. Exactly what they feared is exactly what happened. They moved out into different directions, and the world became populated with different nations. Chazal count 70 nations in the, in the psukim that follow. And therefore, we have a world now 
that has to be looked at as a, a group of independent, uh, separate nations that are not united. And each one of these nations went off and built its own culture and its own society. And with those cultures, as we know, also came their own religions. And uh, most of those religions, all of those religions really, were pagan in nature. Uh, and mankind did not, did not accomplish what it was supposed to accomplish. Um, they certainly weren't following God any longer. And yet, there's been a promise to Noah. The world can never be destroyed. The very next thing the Torah tells us, after the story of Migdal Bavel are the ten generations from Noah to Avraham. And it is at this point, after understanding what Noah did to save the world and, and the uh, further development of Migdal Bavel, the uh, dividing of humanity into different nations, it is at this point that the Torah brings us to the point that we have to learn about Avraham Avinu. Now we understand... Now we understand why there's going to have to be one nation that uh, is going to lead all the others. Until there are nations, there can't be a need for a, a special nation. But once there are nations, there actually is such a need. And that's what we'll talk about, Bezrat Hashem, next week. Until then, Shalom.